It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Today I'm questioning how a 4-4-5 cornerback gets caught in the open field by a holder. Hi, this is Arif Hassan, uh, who is not the new Vikings head coach, but I will be having a new job in a day or two. But for right now, you can just say I'm from The Athletic. Luke Inman, Superior Sports Talk. I'll tell you the one positive to be had from last night's beat down in Philly. What's up, Luke Brown here from Locked On Vikings. And uh, these Vikings deserve to be torn a new one. And they did, and I'm going to do it again today. We got Luke Braun tearing new ones. We got Luke Inman with positivity. It's all coming up on the Minnesota Football Party. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with the Athletics' Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings' Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Well, that was a rough one. Uh, the Vikings lose 24-7 to in Philadelphia. Their record is now 1-1. One one. Welcome to the Minnesota Football Party. Once again, I'm Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman of Superior Sports Talk. Arif Hassan with The Athletic for now, at Arif Hassan NFL. And Luke Braun, Locked On Vikings host, at Luke Braun NFL. Make sure to subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And make sure to check out the Locked On Sports Minnesota apps on Roku and or Amazon Fire. Download it on every possible device that you can. Today, we get into the defensive implosion in Philly, the quarterback collapse in Philly. And we welcome Matt Derry of Locked On Lions to preview next week Vikings Lions uh, noon kickoff in week three. So I think we got to pay off some teases here. Luke Inman, you're saying you've got a positive. Luke Braun, you're going to rip some people. Let's let Luke ease us in, Luke Inman, with some positivity from the Monday night debacle. Well, uh, obviously not a lot to choose from here, Sam, but you got to find some sort of positive. How about Cam Dantzler, the one tiny positive? I thought he was actually a, a small bright spot on that defense that led up the implosion, 24 points in the first half. Granted, Ed Donatel played that soft off defense right away. So he, he led up a few passes for sure underneath, but all in all, at the high point, point of contact, I thought he was pretty aggressive. I thought he made some good plays. And again, he was the one small bright spot I found on that Vikings defense or just the game in general that lacked a lot of positivity from that 24-7 beatdown. And yet he was benched for a Caleb Evans in the second half. I'm struggling to understand that move. He was highly graded on PFF. He was great in the run game. Uh, plenty to get to there. But Luke Braun now... Let us have it. Let the Brian and I know what's up it. with this. All right, I want to hear this. Yeah, let's talk about the dancers thing. He, he might have deserved that. Uh, there <laughs> there were some dope plays uh, when he Incredible was targeted. Plays. And I, I would say, like, I don't think you can say the game was worse than, like, up and down because there were ups. But 
there were also problems. There's a pretty good case to be made that the coverage bust for the big long touchdown was actually Dantzler's fault and not Bynum's fault. Uh, and I think there were other problems with him playing too far off, playing too soft, which he had a huge problem with last year that led to a bunch of those super uncontested completions. And the uncontested completions are the thing I need to rip the most. Ed, buddy, what are you doing? Because nothing was contested at all. The Eagles just got to do whatever they wanted and played pitch and catch. There's a next-gen stat. Jalen Hurts set a career record for fewest throws into a tight window, and he threw over 300 yards in the first half. He just didn't have to do anything hard. That's not how you play defense. Make everything easy and then tackle them after they get a first down. That's not defense. <laughs> this like soft zone, empty. Troy Aikman mm-hmm. called it shell coverage on the broadcast, which is, I don't think, a very good word for it. But very that obnoxious. Four that he, deep... it that. he drew it with the, the, tele- yeah. the telestrator thing several times. I, nice little I like shell. They're all shells. Every coverage, Every coverage is a coverage shell. If I draw it right, it's a shell. Progression, where you determine what shell it is, and then do your make decisions based on that. I, I like umbrella coverage. That was a good word. I like that word from yeah. Greg Olson from Week One. But like that, Wait, that really soft like, back it all off palms or something. I think so. Okay. Um, I've got like, a good next gen stat to to support your argument, Luke. Devonte Smith, it, like, seven catches, eighty yards last night. 9.6 yards of cushion at the snap. Second highest in the NFL this week. 9.6. <laughs> like the, the so traditional moving it to him, you lost to him. Off coverage is like so seven, kind of by the by the rule. We're talking ten yards off. That's crazy. I I mean, Devontae Smith is really good off the release. He can beat press coverage, but also he's like 160 pounds. Push him around a little bit. What is going on? If the only contact you can make, give it to him for free. Right? Yeah, exactly. If the only contact you can make against a player, if the only contact you can make against a player is illegal, then I, (laughs) I don't know, like, (laughs) how you're going to be able to to redirect routes and stuff like that. It's like it's not a timing based offense, really, but you shouldn't make the timing automatic either. Yeah. Yeah, So let's just dig into this defensive implosion. Yeah. No. Undoubtedly. And I thought Hertz played fine. Like, there were moments where he made the perfect throw, the perfect decision, when he did have some pressure coming at him. Like, I do give him credit. Great work with his legs. Amazing game by Hertz. Vikings also made it incredibly easy. And I couldn't get over Aikman ripping him the whole night. I mean, Troy Aikman's really good, I think, at diagnosing stuff in the moment. And he was destroying them over and over. He's like, they're doing the same thing, Joe. I think he's probably just the vibe. I really appreciate announcers going after football teams. I feel like on national broadcasts, it doesn't happen enough. I just, I just wish he could have been a little bit more diverse in his word choice. Like just say different things, Troy, because I feel you, man, you're right. This is a disaster, (laughs) (laughs) but just, just move away from the word shell coverage for like a half second, man. Let's talk about, Okay, so here's the thing I wanted to talk about a little bit that would have been really great for a former football player like Troy Aikman to break down um, is the Vikings, you know, against the Packers and just generally speaking, use a lot of match coverage. That is the zone coverage du jour in the NFL. It's just like people don't tend to play a lot of spot drop traditional zone where your uh, defenders go to a landmark and have their eyes on the quarterback and float around a little bit and they end up 
you know, finding leverage in passing lanes in zones as opposed to playing them in man coverage based off of a series of rules, right? Like a lot of modern zone coverage in the NFL is really rules-based man coverage, right? And that kind of resolves a lot of problems with zone coverage. Here, the Vikings seem to play, and maybe it's just because my eyes are tricking me because how often they played off, seem to play a lot more landmark zone spot drop coverage, which allowed there to be seams that the quarterback could exploit. Right. Like the reason that you have players that have the ability to sit in the seams of zones is because your zones are such that you can allow players to be away from them. Right. Like attacking the seams and zone coverage is what you did against the Tampa two in 2004. Right. Like the fact that this looked a lot like that, except the quarters version of it was very frustrating. Just allow Devonte Smith to find the holes and zones and just sit down and then and then after the play continued to extend, stay rooted in a spot and stay open. That is just wild to me. And there, there were definitely, you know, moments where there was like match coverage. Obviously, like, for example, the Quez Watkins thing was a, was a failed pickup in match coverage. But, you know, a lot of times it just really felt like they wanted their eyes on the quarterback because they were terrified he was going to run. And so they didn't want to execute things like man turns or anything like that. It felt like. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was still, you know, match zone coverage. But it, it felt like uh, a throwback to, like, 2004-style zone defenses that quarterbacks have been carving up. I have so, a theory. So, Luke Braun, you're – okay, go ahead with your theory. I wanted to to push you on the touchdown to Watkins because you think it might be on Dantzler. But go ahead with your theory. Is there a tinfoil hat involved? <laughs> no, it's not that crazy. I think they might have been trying to play match zone and playing it so bad that it looked like landmark zone. Because, like, Patrick Peterson after the game, yeah, that's basically what Patrick Peterson said after the game. Like, yeah, we did that. We executed that real bad. And I think they might have, like, played it that pathetically. But I don't know. I, it's it's hard to – it's, like, it's kind of like a coverage bust where it's like, man, somebody did something so wrong here. I don't know what this was supposed to look like. Are we going to argue yeah. about this coverage bust all year like we did the Rondale Moore touchdown? in Arizona week two of last year where for weeks and weeks Peterson was like flat out denying that he was at fault. Um and it seems like Bynum was the one taking Peterson the was not at fault. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Peterson was just right. No, I think <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, I, I think he actually said. wasn't. But it was a big thing like for a long time because it was like, well, his PFF grade, if not for that touchdown, would be much better. Um and I yeah. think Bynum I think <laughs> Bynum's at fault, but I think it might be Dantzler. Yeah, so, I don't uh, have Arif might have a better idea of this than I do. Yeah, so uh, at the time I felt like it might have been uh, Dancer's fault, and then a bunch of people are like, "Nah, it looks like it's on Bynum," and I was like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" I tweeted it out, and then uh, the guy who runs uh, Match Quarters, which is a really great Coach A, um, a really great blog, really great Twitter account, broke down the play, and he talked about what the specific rules were in uh this speci specific type of quarters coverage against the sale concept which is what this was a sale concept you've got a flat route you've got a sale route which is basically a corner route that can flatten out and then you've got a deep route of some sort it might be uh, a go route it might be a post route um in either instance your quarter coverage cornerback uh, will be taking the furthest deep most outside receiver which in this case of course was Quez Watkins because he was the furthest deep receiver uh, he might have been outside he might not have been um he should have picked up that receiver after it made it clear at the stem that he was going to continue going vertical, which meant that Kendricks, who was passing off uh, the uh, the tight end on the corner, should have been passing it off to Bynum, 
not to uh, not not to Dantzler and Bynum, who is driving down to cover. Like you can see the way his footwork is, he's driving to cover that corner coverage, that sail route. Um, now he should have, he probably should have been driving a little bit better. That looked like it would still be open, but Kendrick should have been um, carrying that for just a little bit longer, knowing that. Um, but uh, because it's quarters coverage and because that was a deep receiver on the outside, that should have been Dantzler. And that's why the leverage, why that's why the hips for Bynum were angled the way they were, which didn't allow him to turn around. So that is the argument um, that makes sense to me. I asked a couple of questions in DMs to this guy um, about the nature of this coverage. Uh, he's, a, he's a cover for match zone specialist specifically. So um, he said, yeah, I mean, it's very likely, you know, you can never know, right? But unless there's a specific rule set for explicitly the sale concept, um, which I know that there's a rule set, for example, the old Carolina cover three just had Luke Keekley covering the sale route just because he could, right? They were just like, yeah, just take it the whole way. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, like there, there can always be a change, but based off of the way Bynum's hips were angled, based off of kind of the traditional rules that we see in cover four, and based off the fact that Dancer did end up getting benched, right? Uh, I, I think mm -hmm. that there's a good case to be made that actually that was on Dantzler. KOC after the game, it looked like they nailed down our safety in a quarters look. You really so think that's, so? Yeah, that's quote that on the map. So, yeah, I saw that too. I, 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 I funneled that back to, to Coach A, and he's like, yeah, I still think it's on the corner. And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> so a brutal first half. Is there any credit to be given Luke Inman for a second half in which they shut out Philadelphia, or is that Philadelphia taking the foot off the gas? It's probably a little bit of both. I mean, Philly only had one opportunity, what, on the blocked field goal when they got into Vikings territory. But, you know, when you're up that big, especially when your defense is playing the way it is, you could tell they kind of took the foot off the gas just a little bit. But more disappointing, even though they didn't allow any points, was just the fact that, again, Ed Donatel didn't really seem to make a ton of adjustments. And when you're going to a game so scared to give up the big play, and then you still give up the big play anyways – you got to scrap the whole thing, yeah. right? You got to start from what's your plan B now? Uh, okay. Because clearly they were so worried about Jalen Hurts, um, you know, burning them on the ground. And obviously with a lot of read options and things like that, that, um, you know, they, they played Ed Donatel specifically. I'm, I'm pinning this on, not necessarily the players specifically, but Ed Donatel's game plan going in. Uh, no adjustments. What, what it, it was so vanilla, almost looked like a, um, a preseason game, right? Like, where are the sub packages? Where are these little ring? No Lewis seen on the field, no Brian Osamoa. I'm sure maybe they're still trying to ease them in. But even with Harrison Smith out, I think Lewis seen, I don't see, I don't know the snap count off the top of my head, but maybe only got a handful of plays. It was Josh Metellus in there. Um, just no plan B and even plan C from Ed Donatel. That's what was most concerning, most frustrating, even though, again, they only uh, allowed zero points in that second half. I think Philly, you, you have to keep in mind again, probably took the, the foot off the gas a little bit there in that second half too. Scene got one snap per the snap counter That's it? and uh, 10 and from the And everyone Metellus. tweeted about it. Scene's in the game. Lewis Scene. Oh, there time. he goes. Got out snapped by Josh Metellus, yeah? Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, that's interesting. There's probably something, on, uh, something yeah. to just discuss with that as well. But we got to talk about the second half as well with Kirk Cousins, uh, my favorite quarterback. BetOnline.net. Your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. All the latest developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts. 
including the lines for this week's games. Vikings, six-point favorites against the high-powered Lions on Sunday. I got to think the people are going to be smashing that Lions line. Minus 240 are the Vikings on the money line as they try to bounce back in week three. You can find that line and more at betonline.net. And it's not just football. It's MLB, MMA, eSports, boxing, golf, whatever you want. Gophers lines also for college football this Saturday. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. The turnover-worthy <laughs> plays that Pro Football Focus tracks, um, I like the stat because it doesn't necessarily – it doesn't only count interceptions. It counts throws that were dropped as interceptions, and it counts dangerous throws. Four turnover-worthy plays last night by Kirk, second highest in his career as a Viking, only to the Packers game week two, 2019. So that goes to show you kind of how rough the second half was, where I believe all of those plays took place. And I could argue there were more, too. There were probably half a dozen dangerous throws of varying degrees, including a couple jump balls, YOLO balls, in deep in Philly territory, four trips inside the 30-yard line, zero points for the Vikings, who might have actually been able to make that a game in the second half. Um, Kirk Cousins, your thoughts, Arif? I wonder if they actually count that first interception as a turnover-worthy play, because I know that very often they'll subtract mm -hmm. interceptions that they judge are not the quarterback's fault, because the whole point is to develop the most stable statistic possible for turnovers. So if that's the case... I could still believe it, right, given the number of times Darius Slay just put his mitts on the ball, right? Um, if that's the case, then, you know, that's that's the issue, is that everybody has, um, like, generally speaking, on average, quarterbacks will convert 60% of their turnover-worthy plays into interceptions. And so having four or five in a game is just catastrophically bad. Um, I, I thought that Cousins' first half was actually pretty good, right? And I, I think that... Um, you know, obviously he couldn't like bring it home, but that second half was just a disaster. He just fell apart. Um, didn't really have any responses to blitzes. Didn't know how to set the protections to to work with the blitzes. Didn't seem to set any hot routes against blitzes, which I refuse to believe this offense doesn't have hot routes or quarterbacks allowed to adjust uh, at the line what those hot routes might be. Didn't have a response besides throw it up to Justin Jefferson, which is a very Case Keenum kind of response, which, you know, we wanted to see a little bit more Case Keenum and Kirk Cousins. I don't think this is exactly what, you know, you would mean by that. Um not that part. <laughs> yeah, not that part. Like, just, like Marcus Williams trusting... interception. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I understand trusting your receivers. Right. Like, I get the it. Back foot. Right. You've got the. You've got potentially yeah. the best one in the NFL. But like, you know, some of these guys are open, and they're open specifically because of the nature of the blitz they threw at you. Recognize what that blitz is and throw into the blitz. Like it's the most basic rule of quarterbacking is that when they blitz you, there's a hole in coverage. Attack the hole in coverage. And he didn't do that. He just kept on throwing to the guy that was somehow double teamed even on a blitz. Like, that was just wild to me. Is that, like, Kirk Cousins is a very textbook quarterback and did not follow the textbook. Yeah, he looked yeah, so rattled and out of sync once they got down. Uh, I mean, first one, again, like, like you guys mentioned, wasn't on him. That's on J.J. Second one to Avante Maddox. 
he expected him to kind of suck up towards JJ underneath and Kirk just locked in and just held onto the ball too long and allowed Maddox the time to kind of read his eyes and fall back into that zone and pick that off trying to find Thielen it was there if he would have thrown it right away I just thought he was so indecisive second guessing himself all night so quick to check down to the dump offs maybe seeing ghosts a little bit a la Sam Darnold at times because I thought for the most part I'm with you guys I thought for the most part just in general the old line held up fine I mean when they brought extra men as Arif mentioned they got home but again that's on Kirk uh you know make those pre-snap adjustments or, or the checks at the line and then at the end just kind of what you mentioned Sam the YOLO balls force feeding JJ and making some really poor decisions he could have had as you mentioned another interception which was dropped I believe granted there were times he put the ball on his players, they dropped it. But all in all, I think Kirk's decision-making was maybe the worst I've seen ever, even including, obviously, the Zimmer uh, era and all that feud that we talked about. Like, Kirk's kind of shackled under Zimmer and afraid to make these throws and turn the ball over. That was the worst I've seen him play. Streak continues now, what, 2-10, and 10, I believe, on Monday Night Football, worst in NFL history. So, not bad, not, not horrible. I would <laughs> like to say it's the worst I've seen him play, but I feel like I see this once a year and it's typically early in the season I went back and looked he's got five games career with under 20 QBR and they all happen early in the season it's 2018 Bills 2019 Packers 2020 Colts 2021 Browns and now 2022 Eagles his fifth career game with three plus interceptions um five of 13 two interceptions went under pressure and I thought this again I'm going to compliment Troy Aikman I thought he did a great job of pointing out twice where he missed Justin Jefferson in a pretty obvious spot. And then the immediate next play through an interception. And it was almost like he was trying to overcompensate, knowing maybe that he missed him and then force feeding the ball in the very next play. Um, those are just Kirk plays that it's not typical of him, but he does do this periodically. And it's weird how he has just these massive, like, galaxy brain moments where he overthinks things and it looks like he's tight and he's not following the system Luke Braun I mean for Kirk to go from what we saw in week one where it was really I mean maybe you can blame it on the Packers defense but it was pretty much a solid performance from start to finish um didn't really make any mistake no, with his plays to, to yeah to what we saw last week or last night I mean this is just a classic kind of Kirk blow-up game it, it, to me, it was a regression from the progress Kirk's made over like the last two years, honestly. He was making mistakes I haven't seen him make since 2018. You, know, you talk about like that Browns game. He turtled a lot, and it was this really anemic offense. But he wasn't misreading at the line of scrimmage and making rookie mistakes. I said it on the night, and honestly, after sleeping on it, I'm going to stand up. He played like Christian Ponder. He panicked. He made terrible reads. He missed things. He threw off his back foot and through dumb interceptions and it, the game totally rattled him and as like Christian Ponder as... was not a bad runner <laughs> yeah led the team in rushing uh, <laughs> but like I don't I haven't seen him rattled that much by a game since he threw since he fumbled twice in a row against Buffalo and he couldn't get it back like mm -hmm. that game he was clearly like shaken and in this game, he looked totally shaken, like not reading blitzes at the at the line of scrimmage. I, I don't know if he has the ability to like make a hot route, but that last interception, there was no hot route. 
So he just had to heave one off of his back foot. Whoever's fault that is needs to answer for that. Are you um, talking about the fade to Jefferson or was that the second interception? Uh, no, I am. Yeah, the fade to Jefferson. That And that should yeah. go on the, the yellow shirt. There was no one open on the back foot. Yeah. The curse the of the yellow yeah. shirt. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, the, there was no one open on that, on that interception. On the previous play, the play yeah, right so before, like throw it, it away that should then. have been an interception. Yeah. The yeah, like, what are you trying before, to do? There were, there were people open, and he just didn't choose them. But on the actual interception, yeah, there was no one open. And on it is okay. Zero, yeah, like... Go yeah, ahead. they cover zero. Nobody got open. People were not open on... I mean, he missed some open guys, but there was a ton of moments where the Eagles just won in man coverage. That's on the skill players. There were times when the coverage just, like, got or the, the blitz just got home and there were too many blitzers for how many protectors they, they had. That's on combination of, you know, the play call on Bradbury and on Cousins himself. Like, there there's so much blame to go around. But I just can't get out of my head that they had opportunities to win. They had that blocked field goal. They had the, inter, the Jordan mm-hmm. Hicks interception off a tip. The Eagles made mistakes that let the Vikings back into the game if they can cash in on those opportunities. And they couldn't because the quarterback was playing like a rookie in in his first game against Bill Belichick. Yeah. um, Butterfly effect obviously changes how things play out. But if the Vikings score to start the second half, which it looked like they might, it's a ball game. You know, let's play. Down 10. um, Maybe Philadelphia plays a little tighter. Maybe there, there was a legitimate Donatel adjustment in that second half. Maybe things are different. But again, no points on four trips inside the Philadelphia 30 in the second half. Make sure to like and subscribe to this channel, Locked On Sports Minnesota. Leave a comment below. Is it on the defense? Is it on Kirk? Subscribe to the channel, Locked On Sports Minnesota. And uh, again, subscribe to our podcast as well, wherever you get your podcasts. Before we get to Matt Derry talking Lions, let's get into a little four-minute drill action where I would like us each, in the minute that we are allotted, Make an argument for your biggest second guess of the KOC game plan last night, whatever it might be, some kind of KOC um, Monday morning quarterback, or in this case, Tuesday morning quarterback. Luke Edmond, let's start with you. Ready to roll, start it. Yeah, this one's tough for me, Sam. I don't think KOC necessarily called a bad game last night, to be honest. I just thought when you get down that big so early, you're forced to kind of abandon a lot of things. And even though he drew up a lot of good designs, I haven't watched the tape back yet, so it's hard to know how much was people not getting open for Kirk or Kirk just not finding wide open people. I thought Kirk was just, again, so indecisive, so rattled and thought going, not going through his reads very well. And he was just so quick to, to dump it off. He was feeling pressure that wasn't always there. Maybe the one thing I would pick on was it felt like there was like 14 screen passes that just didn't work. He tried to get his running backs uh, involved and it just wasn't working. Uh, Maybe it wasn't executed properly, give credit to the Eagles defense, but kept, feeling like he was going back to that well one too many times all in all though i got a hard time putting a, a, a you know too much blame on koc in this one arif Hassan up next in the four minute drill 
All right. Uh, I think there's a couple of ways that you can blame KOC. One is that Kirk Cousins' play action rate in this game was 12%. What is the one thing everybody in the league universally agrees Kirk Cousins is good at? It's play action, and it's particularly it's bootlegs on play action. Didn't see any of that against the Eagles, despite the fact that their edge rushers are not necessarily any more athletic or any better at collapsing on bootlegs than any other edge rusher in the team, and certainly not uh, more than Green Bay that has historically been able to uh, shut them down, and Kirk Cousins was still able to do play action against Green Bay. Didn't see any of that. Luke mentioned those screen passes. They should have scrapped him after the third one was nearly picked off, right? Like, I, the, the reason that, like, they kept on doing that is because they didn't really have much of an answer to the pressure of the blitzes. They should have had other answers to pressure and blitzes. They should have had short routes or option routes, or they should have had routes that automatically optioned into hot routes based off of those blitzes. They should have had somebody who had an eye on Hassan Reddick every time that he blitzed, have somebody uh, in there. There was just no adjustments after halftime that re- confronted the reality of what the Eagles defense was doing. Luke Braun. I'm going to go a different direction here. I'm going to say this uh, laid back beachy culture kind of messed with them here. Oh, the, come on. Like, I saw a little bit too much quit before the whistle in this game, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But also, isn't Kevin O'Connell supposed to be the guy that can come quiet Kevin O'Connell or Kirk Cousins' mind? That was the least quieted mind I've ever seen from Kirk Cousins. That feels like a a failure in resiliency and a, the the lack of toughness was evident when you can go down 17 points at halftime and then just kind of fall apart on offense but if you want something schematic since i got 20 seconds where was the pre-snap motion where was the d- deception up, up front like arif said no play action no motion it just felt like a team that this game just sort of happened to them uh, in both yeah. like a structural way and also kind of in an emotional way. They were just sort of along for whatever ride they wanted to go on. Ah, that was a good take, Luke Braun. That was fire, man. What? That was awful. Um, yeah, it made it. Hell yeah. <laughs> hey, to, to Luke's point, though, you know, uh, uh, about them kind of just being so deflated, KOC after that Packer game said, hey, I told the guys, hey, this is fun, but I'm excited to see what happens when we get punched in the mouth. How do we respond? Because that's obviously undoubtedly going to happen in the NFL. Sure enough, it happens like seven interception worthy plays. And and there (laughs) you go. I mean, that's that's your outcome. Too much Nickelodeon. Too much slime. (laughs) Too much slime. I guess I've still got a minute here for myself. Um, I think Luke touched on this. I think the crazy like push to be successful in the screen game was woeful. And I don't know what kind of autonomy Kirk has in those situations, but he was throwing into tight windows on screen passes where players would have been better off dropping the ball or knocking it down than catching it because they were going to lose yardage. Uh, Not only that, Dalvin Cook has trouble catching the football. He's always had trouble catching the football. And that's had an impact on his ability to be a pass catcher in this offense for years now. And Arif, you tweeted this out, probably a little overblown about how effective he is in the pass game in general. But last night, on passes behind the line of scrimmage, so presumably bubble screens or running back screens, 2.4 yards per attempt on eight attempts. And most of them were risky throws. Sometimes you were throwing it right into a sea of linemen. So I don't love Kirk's decision-making in those moments. I don't love some of the play calls. Um, And I just felt like the short passing game was pretty underwhelming last night compared to 
I don't know if you saw the next-gen chart of all the green dots of Jalen Hurts. He's the anti-Trubisky, Arif. He does know how to throw left. They just abused yeah, the left side of the field with dot, 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 all within about 10, 15 yards of the line of scrimmage. Who's yeah, the corner Tr- over Trubisky there? Trubisky can throw left. It's just behind the line of scrimmage. Jalen Hurts was able to do it ahead of the line of scrimmage, too. Um, not not often that you see a bunch of passes where uh, the rec- intended receiver drops it, and you think, thank God. That's how the screen game went. <laughs> yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And I think there might have been a drop by Cook and Madison in the screen. Yeah, game well, I, well, like the Madison great. one, you can call a drop. You can call not a drop because it was contested. Either way, the ball hit the ground, and that was a good outcome. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're probably right about that. Before we get to Matt Derry, let me update you guys on how you gambled this past weekend. Luke Braun, oh, yeah. what a bounce back. 2-0, and covering on the Texans, going over Rams and Falcons. Congratulations. Too bad you bet like eight cents on the bets. So that's, that's not going to gain you a lot, but slow and steady. Yeah. Sam Ekstrom goes 0-2. Dope. Uh, the Titans plus 10 was a terrible bet. And Bears-Packers going under the 41.5 really screwed me. Uh, I needed Justin Fields to, like, get to the pylon there in the fourth quarter. That was a killer. Luke Inman, 1-1. One one. Uh, you lost on the over last night, but the Jags got you a win on plus four. And Arif? You went 0-2, man. Losing on the Bengals. Bengals minus 7. Commanders, Lions under. Matt Derry is in the house. You were so confident in that Bengals one, too. You you were shocked one of us picked it. How dare you wager against Cooper Rush? Matt Derry of Locked On Lions joins us now (laughs) at Derry Speaks on Twitter. Uh, We're talking Vikings here, Matt, and uh, I imagine that uh, there's probably some optimism that Detroit can come into Minnesota and uh, pull off an upset here in week three after seeing how miserable the Vikings looked last night. Wow, guest of honor. That's exciting. I'm excited. Thank you for uh, for having me on, fellas. Appreciate that. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, the uh, and, and Luke and I have talked in the past, the, the talk in Detroit is we're America's team now and we're a force to be reckoned with. No. Uh, it's, yeah, in a lot it's, of ways. No, no, that's true. Yeah. It's crazy, but – now this is this is the game where you sort of look up and say, all right, is this real? Because the Lions offense the first two weeks has been really, really good. And there is an optimism. But now, you know, you've had two home games where you, you, you stuck with Philly, a really good team. We saw it last night. You guys saw it firsthand. And then, uh, you know, you beat a commander's team and you were up 22 nothing at the half. So that, that's pretty good. So now you got to go on the road and let's see where this heads. I mean, there's still some Lions fans that know to be – very, very overly cautious. They've won one playoff game this organization in 65 years. So let's let's hold off a second. But uh, they're feeling pretty good about themselves for sure. Run game has been super impressive in the first two weeks. Tell me about what's making this run game tick. Uh, Sam, you know what? I, I really like where uh, the scheme is heading under Ben Johnson, the first-year offensive coordinator, former tight ends coach who – 
has guys moving all over the offensive line. He's had injuries on the offensive line. Last week they played without two pro bowlers, really. Jonah Jackson, the left guard, who was a pro bowler last year. And Frank Ragnow, their center, who's a top five center, who was a pro bowler two years ago. Those guys both missed the game. Alapulavati Vaitai, their right guard, missed the game. And yet they were moving bodies. They, they, they're running stunts and counters and um, uh, all sorts of different things that, that are opening holes for DeAndre Swift and others. And uh, it's working to their advantage. They're, uh, they're doing really well with it. And um, you got to give them a lot of credit. Uh, Swift is a really good back. And then you throw Jamal Williams in the mix, who can kind of pound, pound on you a little bit from a physicality standpoint. The tight ends are blocking. The receivers are blocking. Everything's working right now. Let's go around the horn, He's, Luke Inman, What do you got? Yeah, I was going to ask you about that offensive line. You kind of just touched on that. Let's switch gears. Big draft guy here. I love the Lions draft and what they did. How about just a quick snapshot? It's only two games, but how some of your rookies are doing. Obviously, Aiden Hutchinson starting out hot, three sacks. Blake Rodriguez, maybe a little update if Kirby Joseph or Chase Lucas are getting any action in the secondary, and then maybe an injury update on Josh Pascal and Jamison Williams. Yeah, you know, uh, let's start with the last thing you just asked me. Uh, Jamison Williams is probably not going to be ready until November. Josh Paschal is on IR for at least the first four weeks, and there really hasn't been any update on him um, as he had this, this this hernia issue. So those two guys really, they felt like they hit home runs with their first three picks, with Aiden, mm-hmm. with with uh, Jamison Williams, and with Paschal in the second round. And, the first, and two of the three guys aren't going to play for a while. Uh, they they miss Pascal on that D line. They need him. Um, Hutchinson's been really good. I mean, the first game, look, everybody looked silly against Jalen Hurts, uh, and you guys saw it last night. But the second game, uh, three sacks as a rookie was really good. And 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 he's a he's a culture uh, builder. He's a leader. Rest of the rookies, Malcolm Rodriguez. You mentioned the sixth round pick, the uh, the hard knocks hotness. Uh, they love him. He's starting. He's been solid in the middle. I still think teams need to get tight ends in space against him and put him in coverage and expose that. I think this week the Vikings will try to do that. Uh, And then the rest of the rookies really haven't played much. I mean, Chase Lucas has played a little bit, uh, had to play last week um, with the injuries to all the corners, including Oruwarie. But other than that, nothing nothing great yet. I think Rodriguez and Hutchinson are going to be the guys at the end of the year that you're going to talk most about. Matt, is Jared Goff playing better, or are you winning in spite of him? <laughs> oh, I love Luke Braun. Um, you know, I, Jared Goff is playing. Jared Goff is playing just fine. <laughs> he, looked, he looked good this. He looked good this past week. Um, he missed a couple of throws. There was a deep ball to DJ Chark that I thought he should have connected on. But all in all, I mean, six touchdowns, one interception. They're giving him some time. Uh, he's been pretty good, to be honest with you. Uh, again. The pressure hasn't been great on him. I thought Brandon Graham was sort of neutralized by Taylor Decker and Panay Sewell in the first game. And then you face a commander's team without, uh, 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 you know, their second round pick, the D tackle. Um, and then, of course, uh, Chase Young was out. So this week, I expect the Vikings to come after him a little bit. Let's see how he reacts. But he's done well. And, and he and Ben Johnson, the new OC, are really clicking. And uh, so far, so good. Well, so, so having done well and expecting him to do well going forward, I think are two different things. Kind of given what you see out of the Lions skill position group uh, and obviously out of the Lions, like really excellent uh, offensive line, 
is is the supporting cast going to be enough to sustain what many people kind of just think is kind of a broken quarterback at this point, somebody that won't be able to, you know, continue on? Or is, is that something that, you know, we, we can expect to see continued good performances? I mean, I think the Lions think that he's coming of age, and this is the Jared Goff from the L.A. days early, because last year at the start of the year, he had an offensive coordinator in Anthony Lynn that they just didn't mesh. Then they pretty much took Lynn's job away. I mean, he was there in, in, in seat only for the last half of the season. Dan Campbell called plays with input from Ben Johnson. Now Johnson's calling the plays, and they feel like Goff is back. They feel like this is the Goff of old. Um, and they surrounded him with really good playmakers. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, Chark is a weapon. Jamison Williams is going to be a weapon. TJ Hawkinson's pretty darn good tight end. Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown. Guys, I've been on here five minutes. I haven't even mentioned uh, number 14. St. Brown's a stud. He's not Justin Jefferson. All right, no one's saying that. But St. Brown is really good. Eight catches every game. A couple of touchdowns every game. He's setting all these records. And nobody seems to know how to cover this kid. And so Jared Goff's delivering him the football. Um, so that's working. Then you throw in Jamal Williams and some of the others. Like I said, Josh Reynolds has good chemistry with, with Goff. So they feel like they've got something here. And if Goff can just not fumble the football, we, we, you know, the small hands thing has been out there for years. And he threw the pick six in week one. It was a miscommunication thing. But I, didn't, I just think it was Russ because he hadn't played. Um, but so far, he, he looks the part. He's playing, uh, playing pretty solid. He's got some help this time. Yeah, they've definitely done a good job of subtly kind of building up that offensive core. Uh, a defensive player that Vikings fans know, and there's still a lot of bitterness that the Vikings gave up on Mike Hughes and traded him for almost literally nothing. Uh, he had a nice year in Kansas City. Now he's on your squad. What are you getting out of Mike Hughes? Solid, steady, third corner uh, slot. Had to play on the outside a little bit this past week. Uh, when you don't hear somebody's name, that usually means it's okay, right? I don't, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we've had a lot of discussion about Mike Hughes, but um, there was talk um, back in training camp that A.J. Parker, who was last year's slot corner and pretty much the three, number three, number four corner type, uh, A.J. Parker was playing better than Hughes at the beginning. And Uh-oh, is this going to be a, a veteran that gets cut as they're going to go with the young guy? Turned out Hughes made the team. He's been out there. He's been okay been helpful on special teams. Um, they feel like they've got something in Okuda now where he's healthy and, and performing, and he's done pretty well. Uh, Devontae Smith in week one, Okuda was on him a lot. And then McLaurin this past week, Okuda did a pretty good job on. Uh, oh, it was Oruarie and Will Harris and some others that struggled with A.J. Brown in week one, but uh, they feel like that secondary's improved. And I think Hughes is just a guy that can teach some of these younger guys a little bit, uh, some, some tricks. And um so far, uh, he's just been solid through the first two games. Matt Derry, after he speaks on Twitter, Locked On Lions host. He's a Locked On Podcast Network lifer, folks. Um, Luke Braun, <laughs> I assume there's a probably a crossover coming up this week at some point? That's right. That's right. Yep. Thursday. Luke, Luke's That's excited. We're going to do uh, 30 minutes, uh, 29 minutes on Kirk Cousins and one minute on the rest. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a Luke Braun podcast. Don't threaten me with a good time. What ha so what happened last night, fellas? What was that? Jeez. Don't worry about it. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's not was Minnesota. there a game? Uh, was there a game last night? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. No, I, 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 I know he just got gashed. 
Yeah, I was just gonna say, I know we just got seen a promising come out flat. Yes, you have. Yeah. At least you're on Monday Night Football. The Lions, every Lions game's at 1 o'clock. Great stuff for Matt Derry. Thanks so much for joining us at Derry Speaks on Twitter. Locked on Lions, Vikings-Lions on Sunday at noon. Let's jump right into our party fouls. Run the animation. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. First party foul, Arif Hassan had apparently some kind of engagement he had to drop at uh, at noon. So we, sounds we made up. On. I don't know. Yep. Sounds, sounds fake. Sounds sketchy. Um, Couldn't Luke, handle Luke my takes. Sam, it happens. We'll, we'll continue. Luke Braun, what's your party foul today? Uh, <laughs> I think I'm just going to give it on the whole to uh, Ed Donatel, just not blitzing or inverting or poaching maybe he did some like trick safeties or something but just having everybody back off and play vanilla zone all week somebody's got to say that as the party foul and that is inexcusable and he deserved to lose i love how you deliver like just harsh takedowns of people, but you do it in the most nonchalant way, Luke. It's great. <laughs> Jesus. Inman. Yeah, that was weak, man. I, I was going to go with Donatello. If you didn't, I'll go to my plan B. Uh, again, Ed Donatello, maybe too easy at this point. I'll switch gears. There was a throw from Kirk, and in the big scheme, it seems small. I think they were down 14 nothing. It was early. You already went three and out to open the game. You absolutely can't go three and out again. They get to third and long, of course. Kirk already panicky, not keeping his eyes downfield. And so he looks short of the sticks where he's got Irv Smith one-on-one -on -one with the linebacker. I think it was on a slant route or an in route, pretty shallow. And instead of either getting the ball out quickly and letting, you know, Irv make a move after the catch or waiting for Irv to just cross that defender's body and get out into the other side of the hash where he would have had plenty of separation by that point. Nope, Kirk decides to throw it right as the linebacker makes a move on or, and is in perfect position to make a pass deflection. It's really small in the big scheme of the night, but I think it just capsulated Kirk's perform, perf, <clears throat> excuse me, performance and just lack of awareness, kind of poor decision-making he made all night. And, it, 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 again, a pivotal moment where you're already down big. You just started the game with the three and out. You can't go three and out again to open the game. Kirk Cousins, two and ten, Monday Night Football, worst in NFL history. He just gets too psyched out, man. That's my party foul. Yeah, plenty to choose from. I'm still flabbergasted how Chris Boyd got caught. Uh, AJ Monsoor tweeted out the 40 times. <laughs> Chris Boyd, 44540. Holder and punter Aaron Sippus, 509. And he caught Chris Boyd in the open field. That could have been a game changer. And to see the Vikings come up fruitless after a big special teams play and then later a big defensive play after the Jordan Hicks pick, getting inside the 10. Uh, yeah, that's my party foul in this game. Chris Boyd, 
get in the end zone, man. The Vikings needed you to score on that play. Um, those are the parties. Still should have changed the game. Threw a pick. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. That was the opposite of complimentary football. Luke Inman, Superior Sports Talk, at Luke underscore Spinman. Luke Braun, Lockdown Vikings, at Luke Braun NFL. Crossover podcast coming with Matt Derry this week. Big thanks to him for joining. I'm Sam Ekstrom. Hear me on the Ron Johnson Show, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Roundtable on Friday. Ron Johnson will be with us on Thursday, the next episode of the Minnesota Football Party. Subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. We remain free and available with endless Vikings talk. For Luke, Luke, Arif, Matt, I'm Sam. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.